everybody. So I hope you're having a wonderful day. I am here today with my beautiful friend Alice and she is joining us to discuss children in poverty and um, the Head Start program which is she is part of that program and um, the philosophies of that program as well as um, the importance of early intervention um, with children who are in poverty level. So, all right. Hi, Alice. Hi, Terry. I'm so glad to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, I'm so excited. Yes. Matt's here, too. Her yeah. husband, Matt. He's, Hi. Like, he's, he's over hanging driver. in the corner. Yeah. He's my driver. Right. Yay. His baby is just lovely. Oh, so you made the announcement. Not officially, but... All right. Woohoo! Well, now we know. Our family knows. Okay. Yes. And, now our, and yes. now our listeners. Yes. So Hello. excited. How far along? Ten weeks. Yay! I'm just like ready to burst. I'm so excited. Me too. I can't wait to, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, yeah, you have sickness, so yes. you're probably like, get out. Yes. It's going to be a loud kid. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Well. We wouldn't expect anything less. Right. No, I was going to say, after being at your wedding, and you, that was one of the just the best times I've had oh, at a reception, what? watching your family out With there. The Oh, and just dancing and having so much fun, and just what a fun, fun family! Like we were, we were just thought it was so cool. Like we yeah. had, we were out there dancing, but we had more fun. Like when we would go back to the table for a little bit, just watching them have such a blast out there, and you guys, yes. and you and your sister doing your dance. And it was funny because after the wedding, the um, manager of the entire place he came up and he said that that was the most family-oriented wedding he's ever had, and he's been doing it for what, like ten years? Yeah, yeah, and he was just. Yeah, blown away. It, it was, was fun. It was fun. I mean, I was so glad to be a part of it, and it was really cool. So, all right. So, my second question. Yes. After doing introductions, so tell us a little bit about like me. Yeah. Well, what you and what you do, and how you got into it, and kind of your story. Well, I've been teaching Head Start for six years and preschool for a total of seven. Which I can't believe it's been that long. Um, yeah, I've just always wanted to be a teacher and. It was, I don't know, it was just like a calling, like, I would make my sister, who's five years younger than me, I would make her do workbooks over the summer. Like, I always was a teacher, so I didn't necessarily think I was going to be into preschool. I wanted to be like a third grade teacher, and that's what I did all my field experience in, and then right out of college I got a job with a daycare, and I was the lead teacher for a three-year-old classroom, and I just fell in love with three-year-olds. Yes. And then this opportunity with Head Start, and I didn't really know much about the program, opened up and I actually got a job as assistant. And then a year later I was promoted to lead and then Terry was my assistant. Yay! Yay! And um, yeah, I've been there ever since. Yeah, I and I fell in love with it. I, I get it because someone just happened to ask me when Madison was two, hey, you have a degree, right? And I was like, um, in psychology, and they said, that's okay, we just, we need a teacher. Yeah. And for the school, I was at a private school, and so, um, I so fell in love, and I get it, because I, I started in twos, and then I moved to the three-year-olds, and just fell in love with them, and the yes. whole concept of early childhood education. And yeah, I can't even explain why I fell in love with it, it's just, they're funny. They and are. And I love watching them explore the world and figure things out, and... Yes, it's fun. to see life through their eyes yes. and their curiosity and, yes. And their energy. Yes. Well, that was exhausting at times, but yes. Yes. <laughs> You're going to be so prepared for parenting. No. It's going to be awesome. I, I do have 34 right now. That's right. 34 children. 
Chewy. Mm -hmm. All right, so what is what is Head Start? Um, it yeah. is a free program um, sponsored by the federal government, and it its main goal is in its name, it's to give children in poverty a head start because they're statistically more likely to become teenage parents involved in a violent crime or just not even graduate. So my job is to get them that head start. Because, and it's so it much is, more than education. Yes, it's hard to explain until you actually walk into my classroom just what poverty means. Right. Because you can say, oh, this child's in poverty, but until you actually meet them, right. it has it has an effect on everything from yes. just dental because dental. you guys provide a dental program. I brush their teeth every single day. Yes, and it like right now, um, we're seeing a trend in children not being potty trained. So okay. it's from the very basic going to the bathroom all the way up to their education. Right. It it affects everything. And you do home visits. I do. I do two a year. And that is on top of, I have a social worker that is connected to just my classroom that will go out and do four home visits a year. Okay. And she works more with the families. Yes. So it's a program, it's not just a preschool program, it's a family program. Right, because, and I remember they'd have like a parent program about teaching, or, or, or cooking healthy meals. Yes. And so just teaching them how to grocery shop. Yes, and we've actually, in the last two years, the agency that I work for, we've streamlined it. So they come in and they do basically an interview with our family advocate is what we call our social worker. And they'll, it's got like 15 categories and the one that scores the highest need is what my social worker will focus on. So I have one family that is working on bedtimes and then okay. I have another family working on finding a home. So it's just it's everything. Right. It is everything. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which is beautiful because how many of these people, what's that Maslow's, you know, hierarchy, yeah. their, their basic needs. I mean, some of them have been homeless. Mm -hmm. um, There's a lot of addiction. A lot of addiction going on. And just feeding. I remember having children come in um, who hadn't eaten. We did, would not have school on Fridays and mm -hmm. hadn't eaten since the Thursday before their last day at school yes. when we provided them food and had, were eating Monday morning for breakfast and yes. hadn't eaten any food. Yeah, we provide two meals a day for our kids, and I only have my kids for three and a half hours. I have an a.m. session and a p.m. session, and okay. we provide two meals. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And, and we're starting to, Head Start is moving to a full day program. Wow. So instead of three and a half hours, um, it would be between five and a half and six hours. Okay. So, and the aim is for that is the parents can have time to have a break and then also maybe get a job or get back up on their feet. Okay. It gives them that time. Oh, yeah. Do a job interview or go to school, attend some classes. Yes. Okay. And then transportation is also provided. No. It is not anymore. Okay. Um, it was up until this year. Okay. So we got our funding cut. Okay. So, Yay. There you go. So now they have to find a way to get the children to school. They do. Um, we have a few programs still left that they provide, but I think it's only one or two out of 18 classrooms in our county. Goodness. Yeah. Wow. Well, see, there's there's an argument for, I mean, these families to be able to get these kids to these programs. Mm -hmm. And I am funded for 17 slots, and we are having a very hard time 
filling those spots because our parents just can't get them there. Can't get them there. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I was unaware of that. Well, that's sad. Yeah, so and I hope anybody. that I hope that funding. How how is the funding? Is it through um, grants? Is it through through grants? And then we also get a certain amount of money from the Office of Head Start, which is through the federal government. Okay, so that's then up to them, and and then the program that you're with then decides how the money is dispersed yes. according to the needs of the classrooms or the programs yes. that you're with. Yeah, okay. we used to get money from the state of Ohio through a rating program, but um, for the first time in 20 years, Head Start rolled out their new standards, Yeah, and the standards for the federal and the standards for the state didn't match up. Okay. So federal trumps the state. So we're no longer in the state program, so we no longer get money gotcha. from the state. Which I'm sure, yeah, yes. hurt a lot as far as, like you said, transportation and, hey, there's a ladybug crawling Aww, around in here. That's, that's a good lucky. luck sign. That's lucky. That's so cute. And I had moved the one that was in here the other day when I was writing and creating my plan. I had one on my piece of paper, so I took her and I was like, oh, you're going to starve to death in here. And I took her and put her on a plant downstairs. Well, now there's another one. Oh. Well, that's just a good sign. Yeah, Yay. it's probably going crazy because oh. we have a bunch on our house. Do you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's so cute. All right, well, and that's, um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else in the Head Start program that I found. Um, I mean, I loved, I loved the home visits. One, because it gave us a chance mm -hmm. to look into the life know of the child and know what, yes, where they were coming from each day yeah. um, and how the parents may have been struggling with things that you just wouldn't know. Yeah, just even seeing the state of the house sometimes just tells me yes. so much. Right. Like, yeah, I went into a home, and I think it was the year that I was with you, where the mom, she was cooking corn dogs and put them on the floor. And that whole year we I were struggling that. with hygiene with that child and getting yes. sick. And we, yeah. I remember, yes. And, and just I would have, off yes, the carpet. I would have never known unless I w witnessed it. Correct. Yes. Yes, and my sister actually works for Head Start and has that same family, and they're still dealing with those same issues. Okay. Is, right. Which is sad. Right, and then so true. It, but at least you. It, but then there's resources available, which is so awesome that you can then at least offer yes. to the parents for guidance and for them to try to. Yeah. Um, get themselves because I've seen some wonderful success stories mm -hmm. where these parents have come back when I was actually in a different program but similar the early head start mm -hmm. um, which early head start has some different rules because one of the rules for early head start at least when I was there um, that the parents either had to have a job or enrolled yeah in I think that's changed classes. I'm not don't know much about early head right. start but I think it has changed okay but I thought that was cool because that was basically saying, you know, we will provide these services if you are taking these steps to move in a right. in a better direction for you and your kids. Mm -hmm. um, and so again, I remember this one mom coming in, and she was her little girl was getting ready to move because she was had turned three, so she was going to move into either right one of the regular classrooms or Head Start, and she had gotten this job, had just graduated from um, you know like a two year associates program, and she was so excited because she had, she had taken advantage of this wonderful opportunity through mm -hmm. this program. We were able to give her child, you know, 
support and care and she was able she was starting to move in this new direction yeah. and it was just exciting like she was hugging on all of us and just so grateful for what she was given an opportunity to do which is yeah, that's um, awesome. it was super cool so yeah I know there's a woman that works with our agency that she was a parent and yes she worked up the ranks and now she she just graduated with her bachelor's degree wow so yeah yeah, it's pretty awesome. Cause I remember she when she just had just graduated with her associates. Mm -hmm. Okay, so she went on and got her yeah. bachelor's. And the way she was introduced to our program was her child was in our program. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty awesome. To that see. is pretty. I mean, it's just cool to see um, the impact, like it actually having an impact on these families' lives mm -hmm. and watching it have good results. So, all right. Uh, one of the other things I said so. Um, you you have a passion for this, and so if you could reach a particular audience, who would you want your audience to be with your message? I mean, parents who might be struggling and looking for something for their children. That, and I think we've, um, I'm in a school now, and we've actually run into a huge stigma against children when they hear that P word, poverty. Yes. Um, I have some people that will not look at our kids when we walk down the hall or won't acknowledge them or say, oh, those are the Head Start kids, but they're your kids too. They're right. coming to your district. Yes. Um, I wish I could reach those people that just because they're in poverty doesn't make them any less of a human. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And that's tough. I because mean, that's... it is. There's a huge stigma because usually when you think of poverty, you think of drug addiction and you think of or people will yeah, say you know like lazy lazy or dirty yeah a lot of the times um i've had a couple people approach my kids being like oh they have coats like uh, yes they have coats right like did you not expect that they're gonna have a coat like they have loving parents and i think that's what i want to reach is just because these people are in poverty and are poor doesn't mean that they don't love their kids or they don't want what's best for their kids Right, yeah. right. And, and it I, could be anything from they are struggling with, you know, maybe a mental uh, illness themselves mm -hmm. where they are just, they, they don't know where to turn or they're in the process of reaching out to a resource or that's all they knew and now they're learning. They grew up yes. in poverty and yes, so they're learning a new way. Yes, and so they're being taught by you guys, which is wonderful, mm -hmm. um, and others to, yeah, to take steps that are necessary to make their lives better and the kids' lives better. Yes, because okay. the stigma is huge and it's real. Yes, Not absolutely. a lot of people like to talk about it. No. No, it's... and we're having a lot of issues with other agencies, like government agencies with our legal families. I deal a lot with illegal immigrants and they're not getting help or they're facing racism and it's just it's this whole underground world that I, growing up in middle-class Ohio, never knew right. until I walked into this world. And um, I always joke that there's a Starbucks in front of one of the worst complexes in the county. And if these people in their BMWs knew what was behind their Starbucks, they would be appalled. Right, right. And I know what I know which yes. which you know they've tried to clean that up and did a bunch of changes recently to yes. it. Um, All they did was move it though across the street. So okay. Yeah. Just kicking them out of a house does not solve the problem. Right. They have to go somewhere. They have to go somewhere. Right. Unfortunately, they're going to hotels right. and 
Now they're homeless. And I was going to say, you had quite, you told me you had a number of them when they closed that particular facility when they were going to revamp it. Um, and yeah, that you had a couple that were going to be homeless. Yes, and I still have a few families that are homeless from that, and that happened a year ago. Okay. Now, do you have any, I know in our county, as well as the two eastern counties, huge, huge heroin issues. Yes. And are you impacted by that in yes. your families? Yes, I'd say just off of the 34, I'd say about 40, 45% are touched by heroin. Wow. And that's directly, that's okay. a parent. Parent. Or caregiver. Okay. Um, and, so and if it's not heroin, it's other drugs. I'd say if I added all the other drugs, because there's also a huge prescription pill issue okay. in this county right now. Um, I would say 90% of my families are touched by drugs. Okay. You know, I remember, again, being in, um, now this was not through that program of child that I was working with through the same agency that we were both working in together, mm -hmm. and then I moved into the, I moved to the mental health side. Yes. Um, and working with a kiddo in the school, in the school where you are, and this was probably a kid in third grade, and he was telling me how, um, like how to roll a joint mm -hmm. and because he would sit around and watch his uncle and um, his parent was incarcerated um, for drugs yes. and so just to think you know a little eight-year-old um, yeah yeah just, I mean I've me just going on these home visits I've seen it yeah um, there was one time in that one complex we were talking about I was knocking on the door and right behind me was a stairwell going up and there was two men and they had a baseball hat in their lap and there was heroin in it, and they were packaging the heroin to sell. Wow. And they did not care that I was standing there, that I had an official badge on. It didn't matter. Right? And that was right outside one of my little guy's door. Wow. So if they were doing that in front of somebody who was obviously part of an agency, what are they doing when I'm not there? Oh, behind closed doors. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. And how many of these, one of the things that I found, and even in the private preschool where I was, and then, you know, being in the elementary schools, how many of these kids are now being raised by grandparents or family members yes. or being put in foster systems because there is nobody stepping up because of the heroin epidemic? Yeah, I'd say my number of children that are in the foster system has probably doubled since I started seven years ago. Wow. I'm dealing a lot more with it. Um, in fact, this year, over the summer, I was subpoenaed for the very first time. I've never had to go to court, and it's over parents and with heroin in custody and, and it's yeah. the family fighting over who gets the kids and I just got subpoenaed again like wow it's it's definitely real it's here yo it's here it's here yeah and I think it's getting worse yes um, now I, I heard I saw I went down to um, TED Talks Cincinnati which was super super cool and so they had all kinds of really crazy awesome speakers, but one of them was the Hamilton County um, head coroner, and she was amazing. She's like I, very I was very heroin. Yeah, and I was very intrigued by her, but so knowledgeable and a wonderful speaker and presenter, and just the information, you know, she was, it was almost like information overload because you're, you're seeing these statistics, but one of the, I guess, hopeful messages that she gave was that um, teenagers, are not, seem to not be, in, in, in like early 20s, I think yes. was the other thing, um, 
they're, they're not going down the heroin path. So I don't know if the message, like, they're, because they're the children of these addicts, yeah. maybe, but they they're see seeing it. the effects and the impact of it, and so they're choosing to not go down that road. Now, they may be going to other drugs. Yeah. However... There are some scary drugs coming up that... Because oh. we have to be informed about what is out there and some of the drugs that are coming out of China and coming through the cartels, it's scary. Wow. Yeah, there's one called Flocka that yeah. started. It's from Florida and it's coming up from the south and it almost, it's almost like bath salts. You heard the stories about them turning into zombies. Yeah. But they lose control of their nervous systems. If you Google Flocka and you just watch these people and it's coming, it's in Cincinnati. Wow. I read an article. So it's almost here. like it's the, they're in a seizure type of thing? Almost, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So. Well, you know it's bad when, you know, I saw a commercial on TV that was, um, I don't remember what police agency, it was through a police agency here in Cincinnati, and it said, you know, basically that everyone, it was asking people, just like the general public, to carry Narcan. Yes, Narcan. I've heard that, yes. Yes. Carry Narcan. Carry Narcan so that if you come across someone... That happened you at our agency. Um, last year we had, it wasn't at my school, it was at a different school, but um, it was time to pick up because they didn't have bus for transportation. And um, the, I don't know if it was parent or grandparent, but somebody that was supposed to be picking up this child had overdosed in the car waiting for the school doors to open. Wow. Mm -hmm. And did, was somebody able to administer Narcan mm -hmm. then? Yeah, they had to call the squad because oh. we're not allowed to carry it. Okay. But I tell you, <clears throat> down we just came back from north carolina and um we were talking to a police officer there it was a relative of somebody and um he had stopped by the house for thanksgiving you know to say hi and hello to everybody and we, somehow the whole drug thing because he was working on thanksgiving is what it, what it was and so he was saying it'll mostly be drug related or like violence mm -hmm. related um and but he said I guess in North Carolina, he said, the public can carry Narcan, and anybody can buy it, but the police officers aren't allowed to carry it. Yeah. So they don't administer it. Yeah, I know there's a huge backlash with, do you, what, at what point do you keep doing it? Because I know mm -hmm. it's a repeat offender. Yeah. I know that there's a huge issue in this county that there's not enough ambulances to go on these overdose runs. Goodness sakes. And, and you know, as a daughter of an addict, not heroin, but alcohol, you, you know, I understand some people get so frustrated and say, how do you keep going back, going back, but these are human beings, and, you know, it's somebody's mm -hmm. daughter, mother, brother, cousin, whatever. It's and a stigma people, again. And, right, and it's, addiction is horrible. It's a horrible... And it can affect anybody. Yeah, and it's heartbreaking for the addict who's struggling, Mm -hmm. But it's heartbreaking for the family to watch and like, yeah, what do you, yeah, it's so like, frustrating. What do you, you do? Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Heartbreaking. Well, we could make that a whole subject I in know. and of itself. So. I'm on my soapbox now. I know. I know. Wow. Like I could tell another story of when we had the fire department come to just show their fire truck. They recognized my kids and they called them by name. And I had known that the family was okay. struggling with addiction and police officer in the fire department knew them like yeah it's that stuff so right that there kids, right there there's another thing this these kids in poverty know the firefighters by name and they're like oh hey officer da, 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 da. so like 
So you imagine right that trauma right there. Just, oh, right. Just seeing your parent, because you know that with the fire department having to be there, their right. parent are in the state right. for the fire department to even come. Right. Well, I can't imagine. and so like, see my little squishy brain over there. It's that one of the. It's like a stress ball, but it's a brain. Yeah, oh, I love that. I think oh, that's I like the coolest score. thing. My yeah. score is six. Yeah, mine's an eight. Okay. So yeah, there you go. But so that's one of those things. So what is your aces? And that's mm -hmm. an, so an aces score is, um, for those of you who don't know, you can get online and just look up, and it's you know, have you ever been exposed to violence? Have you ever been exposed to, um, um, and this is like childhood mm -hmm. aces score. Um, addiction have you and so it, you and then you find your score and it's 10 things and you find in in anyone who has scored again i think i talked about this the last time and i need to look these numbers up again to know for sure but it's like a three or a four like how high your percentages jump yes for struggling with all kinds of things as an adult yes and so our role um your role is you know these kids are being exposed to these things. Mm -hmm. So what can we do to intervene and help them not struggle? Yeah, and the nice thing that we have, and I know not every Head Start agency has access, but our agency has a mental health department. So I have a trained therapist that comes in and um, I have a lot of different dramas going on and she comes in once a week and she gives me strategies and ways to cope. Like last year, I depended really heavily on her, and I don't know what I would have done without her. I had a little guy that was left alone, basically mm -hmm. almost, and I hate to use the word feral because it's not what he was, but he was feral. Right, right. He, yeah. he acted like it. He wasn't because he was able to do some things, and he was getting better, but he didn't know how to talk to people. He didn't know the social boundaries, and I had never encountered that before, ever. And she came in and she had strategies and um, this year she told me that more kids like him are popping up around the county. Okay. That there's, because of the addiction, Yes. a lot well, of kids are right. being left, well, to, their left to their own devices. That's exactly what I was just going to say, yes. And right, and they are, um, I mean feral, I don't think feral is really the wrong word, I think it is a correct word because it's these children that are just left to raise themselves basically. Yes. Um, because the parents are struggling. Um, yeah. Yes, and then um, my sister-in-law actually, she was a psychiatric nurse at Christ, was it? At Christ, and she said that she saw a lot of cases like that. So. Okay. And it's becoming more common, which is the heartbreaking thing. Yes, yes. And again, what do we do? What do we do? To, and I mean, one, get the parents on the right path, these kids, these kids. I mean, it's such a huge, huge priority to make sure that we're doing everything we can as a society. Yes, and I think the early childhood world is a little bit further along in that than the school districts. Yeah. So we're doing what we are calling trauma-informed care, and we actually had Yay! a training about ACEs, and that's how I learned my scores. We, as an agency, had to sit down and find our score, so we had to understand trauma within ourselves. Yeah. to be able to recognize it. So that's what we're doing. I love that. And I love that you brought up trauma-informed care because when you talked about having a therapist come in the classroom, Melissa, uh, my friend Melissa, who runs Tri-State Trauma Network, yeah. was in the, one of the classrooms I was in, the therapist that would come in. Yeah. And I loved watching her work with these kids and you know the things that she would implement. And now, you know, 
the latest and greatest is the trauma informed care and I love being like I've jumped on that bandwagon let me mm-hmm. tell you because it's absolutely critical I yes. mean huge it is and I think the next biggest hurdle that we're finding is there is a disconnect between the early childhood world and what happens after um, my little guy that was yes. feral I'm using quotation marks on that yes um, he never got help I probably kicked and screamed and I probably went home to Matt and cried over right. about 50 million times right because I felt like I was standing in the middle of the circle screaming for this kid and nobody he right. didn't have he didn't have a traditional what would be on an IEP so he never got help and now he's in kindergarten and struggling right and actually we got we got looked at really hardly I got called into the principal's office right like why didn't you do anything for this kid well I did here's everything I did why yes. didn't you? Right. Right. Yes. So I think the next biggest hurdle is getting everybody else on board. Which is that I think the mission of trauma-informed care from all the research I've done is getting first responders on board. Because when you have, like you said, mm-hmm. these police officers and these firemen show up, they have just come into a traumatic scene. Yes. And these this child has now been impacted by a trauma. And so... The response to the child and, and how to get that child help because they've just watched their parent overdose or whatever it is that they've encountered um, their parent being arrested for yes. dealing drugs I mean that's a traumatic event that is going to have a severe impact on that child yeah have you seen it's on Netflix it's a 45 minute documentary it's called heroin uh-huh. or her- yeah it's heroin but it means the female version of a hero heroin oh and yeah. it is um, it is the town in West Virginia that is seen the most uh, rapid heroin use and it's the chief of police and she's a woman and it follows her through a week and it's just crazy and she was talking about her first responders are being traumatized themselves and they need to be able to recognize what is trauma right right and it, it, it it's true and yes. what yeah the impact that it's having on everybody everybody yes yes and just the addiction is just one small part of it right and you're right. And then in the schools, you know, the teachers and how do they recognize and what can they do? And the, the um, you know, the staff and the administration. I mean, it's just going to have to be something, sadly, that's addressed. Yes, and I think, because we're, I think it's because early childhood we see it coming quicker than the school district sees it. And it's, in early childhood, it's getting worse. Right. So, as we funnel them beyond, yes. I think the school districts are really going to struggle. Well, and two, to play a devil's advocate for the school districts, mm-hmm. you know, I think Head Start program was created with so much of this in mind. Yes. I mean, because it, it, it is developed for poverty, and so you, there's been addiction kind of from the get-go, not as severe yeah. as what's going on now. Um, and so the program almost is tailored to deal with so much of this, um, where the education system, they, originally it's just they were just supposed them. to be there to educate. Right, just educate. You yes. teach kids. You teach kids and now you give them grown. homework and you go, right. you go home. Right. Yeah, and it's, it's grown beyond that. It is beyond that. Like I know our agency is in the school district and we have a therapist that comes in and, and it's so overwhelmed that we had to up it to two or three people and now we have zero 
because we can't find enough people that wow because i know you did that well job. yeah it's that's hard. what i was going to say i remember when i was doing because you um, were at the school i was working at yes and so i was on the mental health side at that point i had moved over to the mental health side of the agency and um i would come home and cry i, I know one because of the stories and what I was encountering with these little kids. I mean, one, it was bringing reminders of my own trauma, but to, and, and my hands were so tied on what, what I could do. do. Because again, it was then up to the parents. Like I could, I could go back to the agency and say, here's what's happening. But if the parents were like, eh, mm -hmm. which a lot of them I have run into were. a lot because they, Either they don't know. I, I'm a huge believer in it. You know better, you do better. Right. And I'm, a lot of my parents have an average, I think it's a fifth or eighth grade education. Right. So if they don't know what to do, yeah. and you tell them, they're, I can give them all the information I want, but they have to go do right. it. And if they don't know that it's important or they don't feel it's important, then nothing gets done. Right. Or if they've, even if they've spent their life, you know, I'm starting to understand more and more if they grew up like in an, addict, an addiction family and a lot would just, if I just pretend it's not there, then it'll go away. Mm -hmm. And so I think they think, oh, it'll, it'll just, it'll go away. They'll yeah. be fine. They'll be fine. Rub some dirt on it. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> up. Right. Fuck up. Suck it up. Mm -hmm. It'll be okay. Yeah. So going to be interesting to it see what's going to happen in this county alone in yes. five years. Yes, I agree. Because I know they're already running into issues in the high school because right. they just built what I call a super school where they're combining two high schools. Together. Right. And I know there's a lot of issues there. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I've heard, I've heard amazing stories coming out of that school and I've heard horror stories yes. coming out. Um, and again, you know, I think this four year adjustment period to get the four the two schools mm -hmm. through that initial four years of where they were combined and then yes. then they'll see themselves as one instead of two coming together um, but yeah I mean just because there's so many issues in this county um, with the addictions and the drugs yes and we actually went to a meeting I think it was two years ago and they were talking about how the shift in the county is shifting from white collar to blue collar, or from blue collar to white collar. And I, I, I can see it in like the business, like mm -hmm. out in the main thoroughfare, but the behind the scenes, I think it's just getting worse here. Yeah. Well, and the thing with heroin, desperate. the thing with heroin is it doesn't matter blue collar, white collar, no. you, it's, it's far reaching into, mm -hmm. you know, you can be the stay at home mom in suburbia. Yes. Um, addicted to heroin or, right. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of people that are not being able to find jobs because I think there's that switch. That mm -hmm. There are not as many jobs in this county anymore. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people that were on prescription pills for a legitimate reason going to heroin. Wow. Um, one of my moms that, when I first met her, I, she was the best mom in the world. Like, I had no issues with this child. I didn't have any issues with the family. Every time I'd go into the home, it was put together. She was doing everything she she could for her kids, and the company she worked for left the county, and she spiraled. She spiraled. She got into meth was her first drug, and it's she almost lost her kids. Wow! Like it, it was, and it was so quick. From it was not even nine months. So it was a trauma for her. It was a trauma for her. She lost her job, and she didn't know what to do. Right. And she just spiraled. 
And it was so sad to see because it was the worst and the quickest viral I've ever seen. Wow. Because, you know, the drug is offered and easy and takes the pain away. Yep. She met a guy and gave it to her. Here, this will make it all better. Mm -hmm. Here, you're sad. Here. And then it just makes it all worse. Made it all worse. Yeah. And and, and sadly, when you almost lose your kids over it. I think that's rock bottom for a lot of people. Yes. And you don't know what to do. Right. Right. And we tried everything for her, and we finally got her into a stable home away from her right. people. That was like her influence, but yeah. Well, and, that's and I do know that the boys are it. doing better. Good. But yeah, Good. it was scary. Yeah. Well, and you know there are so many, and a hopeful note. There's so many programs. I mean, like what your program is just amazing, mm-hmm. and what you do is amazing. And I thank you for doing what you do because I've seen you and the impact you have on these kids' lives and these thank families' you. lives. Well, it's true, and I love you for it. Um, but my mom had a friend who um, was coming to my mom, who's in her 80s, for like mo- grocery money mm-hmm. because my mom had made her $1,200 a month or whatever, some tiny amount on. But she had to pay her rent and pay all of her stuff. And so my mom was buying groceries for this lady who was in her 30s. And I was Mom, you, yeah. no, you, you can barely survive and buy groceries yourself. You can't be doing that. And she's like, oh, but she doesn't know where to go and what to do. So I got online, and this was in a different county, and printed off three mm-hmm. pages worth. And I said, she needs to contact. There are so many agencies. And she had teenage boys. Yes. And so... Um, there was so much stuff available to her, and not just through government, yes. but through churches and through, I mean, just small little community, mm-hmm. you know, uh, little pantries, like our church even has a little food pantry through St. Vincent de Paul that we, yeah. we help the community. Actually, my brother-in-law, I'm really excited, he just got a job at Talbert House, Okay. and he is a nurse practitioner, and he just... Um, I guess they're doing this new program where he is going to be the general medicine, but as they see these boys, they're also going to be doing psychiatric. So it's going to be general medicine and psychiatric working together. Okay. And I've never heard of that before. And Which I'm, is so needed. It is so needed. Instead of and separating it, like it's two, yes. like it's two different. So I'm excited to hear what happens. Yeah. And what he thinks. So because he has been working goes. for the VA for years. Yeah. yeah. So I'm excited to see what happens. That is that. exciting. So Talbert House is, explain what that is real quick. It is an nine. agency that helps troubled boys. Okay. Um, I know they do a lot with addiction. Yes. I don't know much about it, but. And they have an in-house where you can do. go in and, and stay. Right? Yeah. And okay. they help boys get on their feet. They do rehab. They do all kinds of stuff. Okay. But yeah, it's for troubled men. Okay. But now they're going to pull in the psychi- psychiatric part psychiatric of it. Psychiatric in general. Super cool. Together. Very cool. We'll yeah. see more hopeful, hopeful stories. How are we doing on time? All right, we still have five minutes. Yay. Um, so we've talked about why this is important to you, which is wonderful. Um, any myths or facts you'd like to clarify for our listeners when you talked about, um, you know, kind of the stigma that comes along? Any, any myths that you can think of? Since we kind of talked a lot about heroin, just because the parents are on heroin doesn't mean they don't love their kids. Yeah. I think that's the biggest one. Right. I've well, had parents write me from jail about how their kid is doing in school, and I've written them back like, hey, you take the time to write to me, I'll write to you. Right. 
I, yeah, just because you're on heroin or just because you're struggling with something um, doesn't mean that you don't love your kids. You don't know what's best for their kids. Right. Even though it's really hard sometimes to see that they want what's best, but it's deep down in there. Yes. Yes. I well, don't. I think any addict, you know, my sister and I have certainly talked about it with our mom as we've gotten older and gone to Al-Anon mm -hmm. and finally been able to take a step back from it mm -hmm. and say, she, we know how much she loved us as kids. She was just struggling. There's Max in the background saying hello to everybody. So he's not supposed to be in the house barking, but there he is. So Max is saying hi. But again, yeah, the, sometimes these parents are so caught up in their own mm -hmm. drama and trauma and their struggles that the kids, um, if their own needs aren't being met, they just absolutely yeah. struggle to meet the needs for it's their children. something that we do at the beginning of every home visit, and uh, you could instantly know that this parent is on something. We always ask them what's one hope and dream they want for their kid, short term and long term. And they write it at the top of their paper, and we talk about it every single time. And every single parent has a hope or dream. And it could be a person that is on heroin, and I know is on heroin, and I know is high while I'm talking to them. But they still have that hope and dream for their child. Aww, and that's like the coolest is, thing I've ever... Who implemented that? Because that's super cool. It is really cool. And it's cool to see what their short-term is. And I'd say 99% of their short-term goal is to be happy. Wow. It's for their child to be happy and to make friends. And yes. in the long term is usually they want them to be successful in life and be happy with what they choose. I'd say that's like 90% of the answers. That's a really... <clears throat> But what a great way to get them yes. back focused again mm -hmm. on, and then you guys work, try to work with them as a team on yes. how to make that happen. And I set a goal and they set a goal for their child and I always wow. make them go first and then I just piggyback and usually what they set is what I would have set anyway. So I just go, okay, that's your goal. Well, that's my goal too. Yeah. That's super cool. It is really cool. That like made, almost made me tear up. Aww. Like that was, I mean, that's it is a cool what a thing. cool thing to come at them with. What a positive. Yes, and so focus right there. Just because yeah. they're in poverty and dealing with all this ick is what we always call it. Yeah, they can. They still wow. have a hope and dream for their child. Very very cool. Very cool. Um, all right. So one, we don't have very much left here. We've got like two minutes. Um, if, if a listener right now is struggling with something, what is your suggestion for, for them to, um, like if they're in poverty and they have a child that's um, in need, what are your suggestions? I mean, what do you, where do they reach out? What do they well, do? Well, you're not alone. Yes. You're definitely not alone. Just call your local Head Start provider. I mean, that they will right there get you where you need to be. Right. Even if it's not a Head Start Program. Even if it's not just an agency that will help. And don't be afraid to reach out. No, because we're there to help you. We want to be there to help you. Right. That's why we got into this. Yes, absolutely. Yes, and mm. more times when you actually meet the people that work here, we have just as much trauma. We have just as much ick as you do. Right. And so we sympathize. Yeah. So, because I've been through hell, as you know. Yes. And I tell my story, and my parents, they kind of... They relate. I think I relate better to them once they know my story. So right. you're not alone. There's people out there who've been through what you're going through, and we'll help you. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the beauty of so many of us who are involved in the social services field. 
have been through some sort of hell mm -hmm. ourselves um, and trauma and that's why I think we were drawn to it because yeah. we want to be able to let people know right you're not alone and um, we're here to help I you. I know. I met like, you at like it. the perfect time. Like, yes. like I was dealing with my crap, and yes. I met you, and you were like, "Oh, I've been through this. Me too." And it's sometimes, even if it's not an agency, just a friend. Yes. That will talk, and you made me kind of almost like go in the opposite direction. Right, it, and that's so cool because, and I was struggling because I was being moved. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be moved. But you got moved to me. And I got moved to you, and then I met you, and then in that moment, I was like, "This is awesome. Yeah. This is like." Meant to be, kind of thing. That was and like it was the funnest year ever. It was. Oh my gosh, we had such a great year. And Debbie and Kim, and yes. we just had a blast, like the four of us. It was awesome. And yeah, and it was right when I was, because it had happened like, what, three years before, and I was just right. now dealing with it. Right. I was like, oh, Terry. Yeah, and right, and then I and was that was, open book where I was like, bah. Yeah, <laughs> and Terry, it was here's what something happened. as simple as a friend. <laughs> right. Helped me. Yeah, so don't be afraid to reach out. Yes. Um, because, even if it's a friend, right? Even if it's a friend, um, and there's certainly so many, so many programs available to help you out. So, all right, we are out of time. So I want to thank you for being here. I have to start my music back up, which is usually like a process in and of itself. So you're gonna hear the little bloop, bloop, bloop. But if I don't turn it, there it is. If I don't do that, then you know my phone will ring, and then it's going off through the speaker, and so anyway. Well, thank you so very much for being here, and um, yeah. I'll come back. Talking to us, I know. I have a we lot more to say. I Yay! You do need to come back. I'm so excited. Well, I love you, and I'm, again, I'm so glad that the universe and fate and God and whatever aligned and yes. brought us thrown in. at each other. I know, we got thrown, we really did get thrown at each other. And not by choice. No, but it was, it worked out great, and I have you not just as like a past co-worker but a wonderful friend oh, and you're gonna make me cry i'm too hormonal <laughs> i'm so excited to meet this baby and she got a sort of adorable husband so Aww. all right well be gentle with yourself everyone and thank you for joining us today